Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. Man, I'm so glad that you're joining me on the Wednesday broadcast. So today and tomorrow, I want to talk about kindness that is unforgettable. I love comebacks in sports. I like the 2004 American League Championship Series in which my beloved Red Sox came back and made baseball history. I mean, the only team to come back from a three-game to zero deficit to beat the Yankees, 2004. And then they go on and they win the World Series against the Cardinals. Unbelievable. Well, there's also the story of the University of Minnesota's football team who once squandered a 31-point lead in the third quarter. And they allowed their opponents to come back and win in overtime. Or how about the 1974 game against Duke and North Carolina? North Carolina came back with an eight-point deficit with only 17 seconds left in the game. They went on to win the game in overtime. After Duke allowed them to come back yet again from a four-point deficit. Well, as we look at this story of Joash, one of my favorite Bible stories of all time. You know, I say that a lot. You know, it seems like whatever I'm studying in the Bible becomes one of my favorite chapters in the Bible or my favorite stories in the Bible. Uh, Maybe you find the same thing, right? But I want to talk to you today about kindness that was forgotten. You know, there's a kindness that really is unforgettable, and sometimes we forget that context of that kindness. Let me give you the background. We'll be looking at 2 Chronicles 24. And here's the background. Uh, there was a wicked queen that was alive that time, and, and her name was Athaliah. She is really the only queen of Judah. She reigned from 841 to 835 BC, the only female monarch to sit on David's throne in biblical history. Now, Athaliah was the daughter of Ahab and Queen Jezebel. I know you remember those two, right? Don't name your daughter Jezebel. Don't name your, ba- your daughter Athaliah, right? Because you know the story of King Ahab and Jezebel, both of Israel. As we look at this story, they had a daughter, Athaliah, and she married Jehoram. That was the eldest son of uh, Judah's king, Jehoshaphat. And if you remember, the kingdom divided, okay? So you had the northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judah. And in her time as queen, it is nestled amidst centuries of evil monarchs, okay? And uh, these evil monarchs ruled not only over Israel, but also over Judah. And she was an avid Baal worshiper. Not only did she worship Baal, this Athaliah, but she rivaled the wickedness of the kings who came before her and the kings that came after her. Her story is found not only here in 2 Chronicles 22 and 23, but also in 2 Kings chapter 11. Well, Athaliah's husband, Jehoram, that king of Judah, until his death in 841, was unlike his father, Jehoram. He was a wicked king. Athaliah's son, Ahaziah, at the age of 22, he ascends to the throne, and he proves himself to be as evil as his father. So let's get the players straight here. We have Ahab and we have Jezebel. They have a daughter, Athaliah. She is just as wicked as they are. She marries Jehoram. Jehoram becomes king. Jehoram was a wicked king, and he dies. 
At the age of 22, he ascends to the throne, but he proves himself to be an evil king and an evil father, and so he is killed. And what happens then? As Ahaziah has died, Athaliah takes it upon herself to take on the throne. Second Chronicles 22, verse number 3, Ahaziah also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother was his counselor in wickedness. So Ahaziah served as the king. Uh, so Ahaziah was the king for a very short time, less than a year, and he becomes assassinated. And as a result of this assassination, we discover that this leaves somewhat of a void. And so the queen, Athaliah, decides that she is going to take the throne. And to protect that throne, she kills off everybody. She even kills off her own family members, her own grandsons, her own children to secure the throne. She had heard that her son died and that this gave her the opportunity to seize the throne by overthrowing and by murdering her very own sons and her own grandsons, basically eradicating an entire royal family so that she could take the throne. Now, I told you that she was a wicked queen. Well, unbeknownst to Queen Athaliah, she had one grandchild that escaped her massacre, and the name is Joash. Now, throughout Scripture, there's two Joashes, so two primary Joashes, right? One ruled in the northern kingdom, one ruled over the southern kingdom. Uh, we're talking about the Joash who ruled in the southern kingdom, but I'm getting ahead of my story. But when you see the name Joash in the Bible, it's also the name of Jehoshaphat. That is the name given to Joash. So uh, oftentimes you see it's the same person, uh, just a different spelling of the name. Well, Joash, as a baby, had an aunt and a wife. Uh, who was married to Jehoiada, the high priest. And they take Joash during this time of massacre, and they hide him, and they hide him in a bedroom. Joash was smuggled out of the castle, taken to the temple, where he remained hidden for six years, while Queen Athaliah ruled over the land in 2 Kings 11, 1-3. Now, I know that we've given a lot of information here as to where we are, but Queen Athaliah, used her influence to establish or further establish Baal worship in Judah. And this is what she did. Uh, She went into the temple, and this is amazing uh, that she never discovered that in that very same temple was Joash. Uh, He was hidden for six years by the high priest, right? Uh, Hidden in a temple, but she's going into this temple, and she establishes Baal worship. Now, this is Solomon's temple. She installs priests. She builds these altars for her idols in the very temple of the Lord. In this way, Athaliah is following the footsteps of her mother Jezebel. Now, interestingly enough, the name Athaliah means God is exalted, or it can also mean God has dealt with me violently. Well, Queen Athaliah did not exalt God with her life. Instead, God dealt violently with her. But I'm getting ahead of my story, right? Now, after Athaliah had reigned for six years, the high priest, Jehoiada, decides it's time for him to put the right heir on the throne. So he sets up guards around the temple, and he publicly crowns young Joash as the rightful king. And he's only seven years old, Joash is. As a new king was anointed, 
This is what the people did. The people gathered around. They clapped their hands and they shouted, Long live the king! Well, Athaliah heard all the commotion and she realized what was happening. She runs out of the palace and she yells, Treason! Treason! Now, isn't that ironic, right? Uh, The woman who commits treason is crying out, Treason! Jehoiada commanded the troops to capture Athaliah and to execute her, and so they killed the queen. And it says they killed the queen where the horses entered the palace grounds. Seven-year-old King Joash, under the direction of the faithful high priest Jehoiada, takes over and removes Baal worshiping, and he, and he smashes the altars, and he, and he smashes the image of Baal, and he, and he kills all the priests of Baal. And we discover that all the people rejoiced and there's calm and there's peace within the city because Athaliah had been slain. Now, this is amazing when you read this story. Now, if you are helping somebody and, and you're expecting something in return, somebody would say you're doing business, not kindness. Well, Joash, unfortunately, forgot the kindness of God. And when we forget God's kindness, we will experience the same cycle that Joash went through. Joash takes the throne at seven years old, and he realizes that he's got a big responsibility ahead of him, and he's really protected by the high priest Jehoiada. And it's an amazing story that he does very well for 40 years, as long as Jehoiada is alive. But something happened to Joash. He was an amazing king, but then he became a corrupt an evil king. Now, we see some insight as to why this happened. One of the reasons this happened is because he didn't go all the way in cleaning out the temple. Oh, he removed some of the uh, idols of Baal and some of the priests of Baal he had killed, but it says he didn't remove the high places. In other words, he left the foundation in place to return quickly if they wanted to, to Baal worship. You see, when we forget God's kindness, we are going down the wrong path. So today and tomorrow, I want to spell out the word smart. If you want to be smart and you want to maintain good favor with the Lord, you've got to recognize certain things. A letter S would stand for the fact that you cannot take your salvation for granted. Let's look at Second Chronicles chapter 24. It says that Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he remained and ruled in Jerusalem for 40 years. His mother's name was Zibiah. She was from Beersheba. Now, you got to remember the salvation, the miracles that God has done in your life. When you think about paths that we take, the path of going down this path of ingratitude, when you start losing your thanks for others and thanks for what God has done for you, you are going down a dangerous path. David Brooks, who is not by any stretch of the imagination a believer, he is actually a New York Times columnist, and he writes an article called The Structure of Gratitude. And he makes notes that he's learned about thankfulness. And he says, I'm sometimes grumpier when I stay at a nice hotel. Why? I have certain expectations about the service that's going to be provided. I get impatient if I have to crawl around looking for a power outlet, if the shower controls are unfathomable, if the place considers itself too fancy to put a coffee machine 
in each room. I'm sometimes happier at a budget motel where my expectations are lower and where a functioning iron is a bonus and a waffle maker in the breakfast area is a treat. This little phenomena shows how powerfully expectations structure our moods and our emotions, none more so than the beautiful emotion of gratitude. Gratitude happens when some kindness exceeds expectations, when it is undeserved. Gratitude is a sort of laughter in the heart that comes about after some surprising kindness. What happened with Joash? It's a sad story. He took his salvation for granted. You know, he became king when he was seven years old. He had nothing to do with being exalted into the position of a king. It was all made possible because of the high priest Jehoiada. I think about the salvation that God gives us. We had nothing to do with it. Don't take your salvation for granted. It was given to you as a gift by the mercy of God. You know, not everybody has received the free gift of salvation. If you are a bona fide, born-again believer, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are indeed blessed. Focus on the blessings of your salvation. Don't take it for granted. You see, when you're a Christian for a long time, it's so easy to kind of take for granted all that God has done for us. You know, we tend to do this in all areas of our lives. I think about the wonderful relationships that we have. A marriage, a spouse that has been faithful year in and year out. What a blessing that is. And what about children that grow up to serve the Lord and to love the Lord? You know, last Sunday, as I was preparing to start the message, and I was just sitting there and, and just worshiping with our worship team, and, and it was the last song just before I was good to go up and, and, and begin the message. And I looked over, and I, I saw my son, and I saw my daughter-in-law. They were, they were a couple sections over from where I was sitting. And, uh, and then they had their baby, and, and she was just holding the baby. And, and I, I couldn't help myself, and so I got my camera out, and I, I snapped a picture of them. And I said, man, what a blessing to have my son who's 32 years old and his bride of a couple of years, and they, they're blessed with their first uh, newborn and, and, uh, and, and a precious little daughter uh, that, that God has given them, a precious granddaughter that God has given us. And this little girl uh, is being raised in the church. She's not going to remember anything that happened in that service, but she was there. And her mom and dad were there worshiping together. I, I said, what a blessing. And I prayed right there for my granddaughter. I said, I pray that as she gets older and she understands sin and she understands what Christ has done for her, that she'll put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ and that she won't take her salvation for granted. Well, how about you today? Maybe you're living your life today and you say, man, I've stopped going to church. I just listen to church on the radio or I just listen to a podcast. It could be that you're starting to take your salvation for granted. You know, if you're really born again, one of the marks that you're born again is that you want to be with God's people. David says, I couldn't wait to go to the house of the Lord and to celebrate and to worship with God's people. When you think about salvation, if you're born again, you want to be with God's people. You want to hang out with the saints. Now, listen, I know the saints are highly flawed. All of us are sinners saved by grace who are born again. As we think about taking our salvation for granted, Remember the miracle that God has done in your life. There's another thing that happened to Joe Ash. He forsook his mentors. Second Chronicles 24. 
It says the men in charge of the work. They were diligent. And one of the first things that Joash did was said, we've got to repair the temple. It has become in much disrepair. They were going to rebuild the temple of God according to its original design. They're going to reinforce it. And so Joash says, we, we got to raise some money. So he gets his chest together. As a matter of fact, uh, this is the story of Joseph, or the part of the story of Joash that you probably know of. It's the chest of Joash, right? He builds this chest, and he, and he drills a hole in the top of the chest, and, and people bring in the money, right? And the money is coming in to, to renovate the temple. And it says that the people brought articles for service. They brought their burnt offerings. They brought the dishes and, and other objects of gold and silver. And it says, as long as Jehoiada lived, burnt offerings were presented continually in the temple. But verse 15 says, Now Jehoiada was old, and he was full of years, and he died at the age of 130. And the thing about Jehoiada is that he was buried with the kings of the city of David because of the good that he had done in Israel for God and for his temple. So here's the point. Do you remember God's people who brought life into your life? So who has your attention? Are you focused on those who have fallen by the wayside? Or are you focusing on those who have been consistent mentors, consistent in the faith? You know, TV industry is facing a crisis in mentorship. And I think the church is too. We're losing the next generation. Let me share this brief story about the TV industry. According to many who have done analysis, many of the insiders, there is a rising dominance of streaming platforms over the traditional broadcasts. And as a result, networks have discovered an unintended consequence. There's a lack of leadership development. As NBC's Sierra Ornelas points out, structurally, We'll have to figure out a better way to do this because the structure we have now is not working. In other words, they're losing their pipeline of future leaders. He says the pipeline from writer to showrunner has become strained because of the explosive growth of streaming series. The pace at which new streaming series are being greenlit and produced combined with the shorter runs of episodes are creating a situation where inexperienced writers don't have enough opportunities to gain valuable mentor experience. When there are only a few networks and a few cable channels, there was a path to become a showrunner that made up for the lack of training a writer would have in logistics. Basically, the training would come through mentoring and through experience. When television consisted of 20 to 22 episodes A year, even a junior writer would watch their script go from their hands to the screen. Writers moved up the writer's rank, and by the time they were pitching their own shows, they would have seen at least 50 episodes on television being made. Something systematic needs to be done to ensure that new writers are trained as much as some were in the old system. Because as sink in or swim as television has become, the lack of experience 
and support, and the new one will simply leave many to fail. So what's the problem? They're not having new writers come along to write episodes, and as a result, they're losing leaders. I think we have the same problem in the church. What has happened within the church? We no longer represent, and we no longer have mentors in place. Joash, as long as King Jehoiada was alive, was an amazing king. He had that mentor in place. But then Jehoiada died. One of the things we see missing in Joash, we miss that he was a man of thanksgiving. We also miss that he was a man that never mentored anybody else. Listen, if you're a leader within the church, you have a solemn obligation to train the generation that's coming up behind you, to train those who are young in the faith. Every Wednesday night, I teach a discipleship class. It's just a small group of people that I'm investing my life in. I'm teaching them the basics of God's Word, the basics of leadership, so that they know how to be a leader within the church. And we also have an intentional program of training our deacons and our leaders so that we have men coming up behind us that can take over when we're no longer able to do it. Don't forget the influence of the mentors in your life. If you want to be smart, if you want to overcome the allurement to give in to evil, don't take your salvation for granted. But also, remember your mentors. Don't forsake the teaching. Paul invested in young Timothy. We ought to be investing in the lives of others. And then the third point, letter A for the word smart. When I looked at the life of Joash, his actions became irrational. In 2 Chronicles chapter 24, we see the story is unfolding. It says, they plotted against him. And by order of the king, they stoned him to death in the courtyard of the Lord's temple. Oh my word, what is happening? In 21 verses, Joash, that child king, goes from doing wonderful things and and renovating the temple and raising the money for the renovations. He's doing well under the leadership of the high priest Jehoiadash. But all of a sudden, we discover he stones to death in the courtyard, in the temple. He stones to death Zacharias. Uh, Zachariah. Who was Zachariah? Jehoiada had a son, Zachariah. And in the very place that Joash was anointed king, he kills the son of Jehoiada. He kills Zechariah. Why did he do that? Because Joash did not remember the kindness that was shown to him. As a result of Zechariah being killed, Zechariah's closing statement, closing last words are, May the Lord see this and call you to account. I want you to remember the prophets in your life. You see, God sends people into our lives to bless us, to encourage us, to teach us. When we don't follow them, our actions are irrational. Now, we don't know why King Joash decided to kill Zechariah. Apparently, Zechariah probably said something that offended the king. And he says, that's it, I'm done with you. And in the very place where young Josiah at age seven was anointed was the very place that he commits this heinous act 
of having Zachariah killed. I want you to know, God has a wonderful plan for you. And when you start to live a life of irrationality, it's because you're getting off off track on the plan that he has for your life. God has a plan to prosper you, to bless you, but you must follow him. Today, I'd like to close our broadcast by praying for you, that God will fill you with his spirit, that God will allow you to overcome the allure of the evil one. You don't want to be dragged out of the muck and the mire of sin. You want to follow the Lord. So Lord, give us the strength to follow you wholeheartedly with every fiber of our being. Lord, thank you for being with us today on this broadcast. And as we wrap it up tomorrow, I pray that we will be smart in our relationships and that that you allow us to, to give kindness wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've got one final thing I got to tell you. If I can pray for you, would you just shoot me a text message and say, hey, here's my prayer request. Would you pray for me? My number is 252-267-2365. 252-267-2365. Shoot me a text. I would be honored to pray for you today. Thank you for listening to the broadcast. I appreciate you joining in today. We'll pick up this part two tomorrow. God bless you. Thank you for being with us. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.